0: Amen. Isn't that a great message? We know the Lord will be with us no matter what we go through, and we can praise the Lord for that. Take your Bibles, open the book of John, chapter number 3. John chapter 3. While you're turning there, I will make mention, uh, we have a need uh, as far as our church goes and things. Obviously, I know I'm not talking about the building. We all know we need a building, right? And uh, the Lord's continuing to work on that, so keep praying about that. But um, we have a need in our children's ministries and things, and that is we need more teachers. Um, the Lord's really blessed us, and our children's ministry is growing, and our youth ministry is growing, and things like that. But as the ministries begin to grow, we need more people to be able to help teach. And, uh, and so if you would be interested in helping to teach or to uh, help in a class, we really, really, really need some helpers. And, uh, and so if you would be interested in that, if you want to come today at the meeting at 5 o'clock, uh, or if you say, well, I can't make it today, but I'm interested, then let, let me know. Uh, and that way we can at least know we have some people that are interested because uh, we really do need some extra helpers and, uh, and teachers and things as we have uh, our ministries growing and we have more classes that we're needing to, to have. And so uh, that's a great thing. That's a great problem that our, our children's classes are growing as well. Uh, but that also means that we need more folks to volunteer to be able to help teach the classes and things like that. So uh, let me know if you're interested in that. Uh, again, we really, we really do need some extra help there, and uh, so please uh, pray about that. Um, and uh, I'm telling you, that's, it's, a great, it's a great opportunity to be able to invest in the lives of some young people. Uh, it really is. Um, a lot of times we look at children's ministries as just babysitting. It's not babysitting. You have an opportunity to invest in their lives and some spiritual things. And uh, I can remember uh, still to this day, I can remember teachers that I had when I was younger. uh, And I can remember some of the things that they invested in me. And uh, those are things I'll never forget. And uh, so if you're interested in doing that, please let me know. John chapter 3, we'll begin reading in verse number 22. John chapter 3, verse number 22. He says, after these things came Jesus and his disciples into the land of Judea. And there he tarried with them and baptized. John also was baptizing in Anon near Selim, because there was much water there, and they came and were baptized. For John was not yet cast into prison. Then arose a question between some of John's disciples and the Jews about purifying. And they came unto John and said unto him, Rabbi, he that was with thee beyond Jordan, to whom thou bearest witness, behold, the same baptizeth, and all men come to him. John answered and said, A man can receive nothing except it be given him from heaven. Ye yourselves bear witness that I said I am not the Christ, but that I am sent before him. He that hath the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom, which standeth and heareth him, rejoiceth greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. This my joy therefore is fulfilled. And please notice verse number 30. He must increase, but I must decrease. Father, I do pray that you would just bless now in in the message of your word, use it to speak to our hearts, and uh, Father, I pray that you would just help us to be attentive to what you'd have for us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, if you were here at the beginning of the year back in January, you know that uh, every year our church does uh, a theme, uh, a theme for the year, and uh, this year, uh, or last year, the Lord really began to lay on my heart this theme of He is greater than I uh, taken from John chapter three, verse 30, he must increase, but I must decrease. And, uh, we, we presented that at the beginning of the year. And I, I even preached a message on that. And even throughout the year, we, we make reference to it. We, uh, sing our theme chorus, he is greater than I, uh, many different things. Um, but as we kind of go through the summer, and summer is a very busy time, right, there's uh, vacations happening and uh, all types of fun things going on through the summer, uh, fairs and 4-H and all kind of things. And then after summer, August kind of hits, and school's getting ready to start back up again, and uh, we're kind of starting to get back in that routine again of kind of where we were at before after all the, the craziness and busyness of summer is, is over and uh, I thought it'd be good this morning if we just go back and look at our theme again this morning. He is greater than I. Um, and do not, don't think that this is the same message that I preached at the beginning of the year. It's not the same message. Uh, there are some similarities to it, obviously. Uh, but I didn't just go back and be like, oh, you know what, I just, uh, you know, I don't have to, I don't want to have to prepare this Sunday, so let me preach an old message. <laughs> um, that, that, that just doesn't happen. Um, And so I want to come back and and visit our theme and really emphasize again, verse number 30, he must increase, but I must decrease. So remember, Jesus' ministry has has now begun. Um, After he was baptized by John, of course, John has been ministering already. Uh, He has been baptizing. Many people have been coming out to listen to John the Baptist uh, preach and teach. And, And then Jesus comes and Jesus is baptized by John the Baptist in the Jordan River. And, and now Jesus's ministry begins. But at the same time, John is still ministering as well. So Jesus has started the ministry, but John is still uh, ministering and if you, if you remember, Jesus is about 30 years of age when he begins his earthly ministry. So uh, he and John were about the same age, maybe about uh, nine months, a year different, maybe. John may have, was just a little bit older. And so you think, you know, they've, Jesus has been living for about 30 years, and now he is baptized of John, and his ministry is going to begin, and he's going to spend the next three and a half Years roughly, the next three and a half years, ministering on the earth. And John, of course, is still preaching, and he's still baptizing as well. And uh, one day, there were some of John's people that were following John, and they came to him, and they said, hey, John, um, do you remember that guy that you baptized the other day, um, and you remember there was, a, there was a special guy. I mean, John baptized a lot of people. But there was a really special guy that you baptized the other day. And, uh, you know, it was a really important thing. Do you remember that guy? And John's like, yeah, I, I remember that guy. Yep. And um, John, we don't know how to tell you this. Um, but he's, he's preaching and teaching too. and And his disciples, they're baptizing now. And John... People are starting to go listen to him preach. I don't, I don't know if you noticed, John, but our, our crowds aren't as big as what they used to be. They're starting to go listen to this guy. And John, I don't know if you've noticed or not, but you're not baptizing as many people as you were baptizing before. That they're starting to baptize a lot more people, right? You ever had those kind of people in your lives? Those just really great encouragers, <laughs> Right? The ones that come up say, you know, I'm not trying to start anything, but did you know? I don't want to make you feel bad, but, <laughs> you know? And John says, yeah, I, I know. I know what's going on. I know that he's baptizing. I know he's preaching. And this is, what, this is what he says. The words of John the Baptist here really pinpoint what God's purpose is for every Christian. And this is what he says in verse number 30. He must increase, but I must decrease. He must increase, but I must decrease. Now, if you've been our church throughout this this year, especially starting back from January, the question that I want to ask you this morning is this. Is he... Increasing in your life? Because John says he must increase, but I must decrease. Is he increasing in your life? Is he increasing? Now, if this is all new to you and you're, hey, that maybe this is your first time here today or you've been coming for a couple weeks and, and you're just now he- hearing about the theme and things like that, that's great. But can I challenge you this morning that from, from this point throughout the rest of the year, would you allow Jesus to increase in your life? Because this really is the key to Christianity, that he must increase and I must decrease. Would you like to know how? Jesus is able to increase in our life? I want to give you very two very simple things this morning. Then if we will follow these two simple things, Jesus can increase in our life. These are probably things that you've probably heard before. Things that we need to be reminded of, things that we need to keep before us. How does Jesus increase In our life. Let me give you the first one. Very simple. I must die. I must die. Would you say that with me? I must die. Now understand we're not talking physical death here. We're not talking physical. We're talking... Dealing with self, pride. Think about it. It would be very easy for John to have been lifted up in pride. It would be very easy for John the Baptist to say, hey, you know, hey, I need to start getting my crowds bigger. I need to start baptizing more people. I, I, I'm in a competition here with Jesus. But see, the thing was, John was never in competition with Jesus. John said he must increase And I must decrease. Think about the words that John the Baptist says in Matthew chapter 3 verse number 11. He that cometh after me is mightier than I whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He says I'm not even worthy to carry his shoes. I'm not even worthy to carry his shoes. In, in, in Mark chapter 1 in verse number 7, John says, There cometh one mightier than I after me, the latchet of whose shoes I am not worthy to stoop down and unloose. He says, I'm not even worthy to, to get on my hands and knees before Jesus and even loose, loosen his shoes and take his shoes off like, like a servant would do. He says, I'm not even worthy to do that. Now wait a minute, hold on. Who is John the Baptist? I mean, can you imagine being John the Baptist? let's Let's just think about who he was here for a moment. Because if anyone could have been prideful in who they were, it could have been John the Baptist. This was the one who had been prophesied in the Old Testament. The Old Testament prophesied about the coming of John the Baptist. About the one who would prepare the way before the coming Messiah. I mean, in Isaiah chapter 40, in verse number three, he says, the voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert, a highway for our God. He says, this is the one. And he even said that right there in the verse. He said, I'm just the one sent to prepare the way. John, you were prophesied about there's, there's scripture about you. Let's be honest. Not a lot of us can say that, right? Not a lot of us can say that there's scripture about, uh, you know, specifically about us. I mean, we can say for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord. Shall be, you know, that's great. That means anybody. But this is specific. One. It was him. In Malachi chapter three, in verse number one, he says, behold, I will send my messenger and he shall prepare the way before me. So think about this. This is Jesus Christ speaking, right? Jesus Christ is speaking, and I want you to notice, even in what he says here, he shows the eternality of God, he shows the eternality of Jesus Christ, right? Watch what he says, I will send my messenger, who is speaking, Jesus is, he says, this is my messenger, and I'm going to send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me. So Jesus is speaking from everlasting. He's speaking from heaven. He says, I'm going to send my messenger because there's going to come a day where I'm going to be born. I'm going to come and I'm going to put on human flesh and I'm going to be born in Bethlehem. And there's going to be a messenger that I have prepared who is going to prepare the way before me. Who's he speaking of? John the Baptist. I mean, specific prophecies dealing with John the Baptist. He was the one chosen by God to be the forerunner of Jesus himself. What a privilege this must have been for John. I mean, think about uh, if you know a little bit about the story of John's life. If you go back and you'll find out that John's parents, Zechariah and Elizabeth, were, were, were older in age, right? And they were past the time of childbearing. They didn't have any children. They had passed the time of childbearing. And Zechariah was a priest, And so Zachariah, one day, he's going into the temple and he's going to be offering uh, some of the sacrifices and the incense there in the temple. And so he goes into the temple and as he's ministering in the temple, there's an angel that appears before him. And this angel says, hey, Zachariah, I just want you to know, uh, you and your wife, you're going to have a son. Is there somebody else in the temple besides me? You're talking to me? Zachariah, this Zachariah, you don't understand. (laughs) We're too old. There's no way that we can have a child. There's no way that we're going to be able to have a child. Uh, My wife is old. I'm old. This is, you know, there must be another Zachariah that's coming tomorrow that maybe you're supposed to talk to. He says, no, you're the one. And because of your unbelief, by the way, you're going to be struck with dumbness. You're not going to be able to speak. The The entire time the child is... The, the pregnancy of your wife, you're not even be able to speak. And so Zachariah, is, he's struck dumb. He's not able to speak. And he comes out, and he can't speak. And, of course, people understand something happened. And, and the whole time, his wife's pregnant. she He's not able to speak. And then, of course, we find that John is is born, and, and they're going to ask. They're going to, hey, you know, the neighbors get in. They're like, hey, we want to help with the naming process, and, uh, which was kind of a customary thing back then. I am thankful that does not happen today. Yeah. Get the neighbors involved in what you're going to name your kid? Nah, I don't think so. What do you think we ought to name him? I think we ought to name him Mayhair Shalal Hashbaz. You says is that really a name? It is. It's in the book of Isaiah. Can you imagine? Who in their right mind would name their son Mayhair Shalal Hashbaz? Try to spell it. What would you like on your driver's license? Just M. Right? Mayor shallow Hashbaz says what are we going to name him and some of the neighbors are like oh we should name him Zachariah after his father elizabeth says no we're not going to do that we're going to name him john elizabeth no nobody in the family's named john we're not going to name him john you can't do that nobody in the family's named john and so they get Zachariah, what do you think? And, of course, Zachariah still can't speak at this time. And so he's he asks for something to write. And he's going to write that his name is John. But at that moment, God gives him the ability to speak. And he says his name is going to be called John. John is born. And even, man, we think about what Zachariah says about his son. Of course, remember, Zachariah is a priest. And under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Zachariah says this. In Luke chapter 1, verse 76, he says, And thou, child, shalt be called the prophet of the highest. For thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare his way. He says, you're going to be called the prophet of the highest. Look, there's been some pretty amazing prophets throughout history, throughout the Bible. You have Moses, and you have Elijah, and you have Jeremiah and Isaiah, and you have some great prophets. But under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, God says that this prophet is going to be the highest. This is the highest prophet Because he is the one chosen to prepare the way before the Lord. Even when asked if he were some great prophet, even the Messiah himself, what does John say? John said, I'm just the voice. I'm just the voice of one crying in the wilderness, Make straight the way of the Lord, as said the prophet Isaiah. He says, I'm not anybody special, I'm just the voice. Well, wait a minute, what did Jesus say about John the Baptist? Not only was he the forerunner of Jesus, but even Jesus says in Matthew chapter 11, verse number 11, Verily I say unto you, among them that are born of women, there hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist. Now, it's one thing for his dad to say, man, you're You're special. But for Jesus to say of all of those who've been born, there's none greater than John the Baptist. That's pretty high praise, I would say. And as John began to preach, thousands of people would come out to hear him. Thousands of people would come out to listen to what this man had to say. In Mark chapter 1, verse number 5, it says, there went out unto him all the land of Judea and they of Jerusalem. I mean, think about the thousands of people that are coming out to hear John the Baptist speak. Coming out to hear him teach, what does this guy have to say? It would have been very easy. Very humanly and fleshly. It had been easy for John to be lifted up in pride by having this position. But yet time after time after time, what did we see? John doing? Pointing people to Jesus. Pointing people to Jesus. He said, he must increase and I must decrease. What did John do? John understood, I must die. If Jesus is going to increase, then I must die. This is not a competition. It's not a competition to see who can get the most people. No, no, no. It's all about him. And if people start going to him, and if people start listening to him, and they stop listening to me, that's okay. Because it's about him. Do you know why so many Christians struggle spiritually? Because we don't want to die. Let's just be honest. We don't want to die. These are my plans, my future, my life. This is what I want to live. We don't want to die. We don't want to yield and say, Lord, I must die. I must decrease so that you can increase. You know what the word decrease means? Not only does it mean to to be lower, but it means inferior. Inferior. It means we are to be inferior. We are to be inferior to him. He is to increase and we are to decrease. We are to be inferior. The problem with us is even though in our, we would say with our mouths, uh, let's just be honest, we're gonna be really honest here this morning, right? With our mouths, we would say, oh yes, I love the Lord. With our mouths, we would say, yes, we want Jesus to increase. But the problem is we don't want to be inferior. We don't wanna be inferior to anybody. Well, who do you think you are telling me I'm supposed to be inferior? Don't you know who I am? Don't you know what education I have? Don't you know what job I have? Don't you know what car I drive? Don't you know where I live? Don't you know? who well, you're telling me I'm supposed to be inferior. See, that's, that's pride. That's, that's our pride, that's self. And God is saying, look, if we want Jesus to increase in our life, we must decrease. And that's where our problem lies. So often as Christians, we are not willing to die to self. We want to be first. We want to have it the way we want it. It needs to be our way. Even though you would say well, you know, but I'm not like John. I mean, come on. I'm not a prophet like John. I don't have talents and abilities like John. I don't I don't have people coming to, to listen to me speak. So, you know, you're talking about two different you're talking about two different scenarios here. No, it's still the same scenario. John was praised and simply chose to be humble. The problem with many Christians today is we don't necessarily receive the praise and the accolades that John did. We just choose to be prideful and think more of ourselves than what we really are. That's why we won't allow Jesus to increase. We won't die to self. John said, he must increase, and I must decrease. Would you think about John again? John didn't go about piously like the religious leaders of the day. In fact, he looked kind of odd. If you think about it, John had taken what was called a Nazarite vow a Nazarite vow meant that there were certain things that you couldn't eat, certain things you couldn't drink, and, uh, and as f- you were to, to never allow a razor to touch your hair, to he- touch your head. So in other words, you were never to cut your hair. How old is John? He's like 30 years old. Come on, get in your mind's eye. Think about a guy 30 years of age who's never cut his hair. Never. That was the part of the Nazarite vow. Never cut his hair, right? He's not wearing traditional clothes. He's wearing camel skins, right? He's not eating the typical food that everybody eats. He's not eating fried chicken, mashed potatoes, green beans. He's eating locusts. Locusts, right? Wild honey. I mean, that's what a great staple. Locusts and wild honey. There's a diet for you. Call it the wild man's diet, right? I mean, think about it. I mean, if John would have walked in, every one of us would be like, Who is he what is he doing here that's john the baptist (laughs) what let's i mean right he didn't wear the nicest clothes i mean for 30 years of his life he grew up in the desert he grew up in the desert he didn't grow up in, he, didn't take, he, didn't, he didn't go to the, 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 the religious schools that these religious people went to. He didn't have that great education. no, he simply said, "I'm just a voice, whatever the Lord tells me to say, that's what I'm here to say, and it doesn't matter what I look like, it doesn't matter what I eat, what I drink, whatever He says, all I'm here to do is point people to Jesus Christ. We get so concerned about what we look like, we get so concerned about what people think about us we get so concerned about what we eat what we drive what we live in we get more concerned about those things than we do about whether jesus is increasing in our life or not john said he must increase and i must decrease i must die number two The second thing that we have to do, if Jesus is going to increase in our life, I must die so that he can live through me. He must live. You say, well, Pastor, I mean, that's, that's kind of obvious, right? I mean, we know, yes, Jesus died on the cross, but he was buried. Three days later, he rose again. Praise the Lord for that. We know that. And then 40 days after that, he ascended up to heaven. We know Jesus is alive. Well, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not saying we have to believe that Jesus is alive. I hope that you believe Jesus is alive. I said he must live. If you're a Christian here this morning, if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, then we know that the Bible teaches that the very moment that we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, Jesus lives inside of us. The Bible says that in him is life. In Jesus Christ is life. And that's why he says in 1 John chapter 5, he that hath the Son hath life. And he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. You notice he didn't say if you have religion. Why? Because religion doesn't bring life. He didn't say if you are baptized. Why? Because baptism doesn't bring life. He doesn't say if you keep the Ten Commandments. Why? The Ten Commandments don't bring life. He says, he that hath the Son hath life. That's Jesus. If you have Jesus, if you've accepted Jesus as your Savior, then the Bible says you can know that you have life, eternal life, and Jesus is living in you. But that's not the question. It's not whether Jesus is living in you this morning. The question is, is Jesus living through you? Is he living through you? If you're saved, if you've accepted Christ as your savior, yes, Jesus is living in you. But is he living through you? Now, if you're here this morning, you've never accepted Jesus as your savior. Maybe you think that by being baptized or by being part of a church or by being a good person or uh, by by whatever that you think somehow that's going to help you get to heaven. Friend, let me tell you something. None of those things help. None of those things. There's only one way for a person to know that their sins are forgiven and that heaven is their home and that's through Jesus Christ. There's no other way. Because if there was some other way, then it would have been absolutely pointless for Jesus to come and die on the cross. If you could go to heaven by joining a church, that would have been kind of silly for Jesus to die. If you could Go to heaven by being baptized or by doing a bunch of good things. It would not have been the smartest thing for Jesus to die. But because those things cannot save us, Jesus had to come and die on the cross for our sins because his sacrifice is the only sacrifice that could meet the payment for our sins. And that's through Jesus Christ. But Christian, if you know Christ as your Savior, is he living through you? Hold your place here in John chapter 3. Go with me to the book of Galatians chapter 2. In Galatians chapter 2, notice in verse number 20. What are those first three words? Galatians chapter 2, verse number 20. What are those first three words? I am what? What are those first three words? I am crucified. You know what that means? I must die. I must die. I am to be dead. I'm to be dead to self. I must die. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. So again, it's not a physical death. It is, it is something spiritual that's taking place. He says, I'm still alive physically, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So he says, look, this is not a physical death. It is a spiritual death. We are dying to self so that Christ can live through us. If I don't die, then Christ can't live through me. Yes, he might be living in me, but if I am not dying to self, then he is not able to live through me. If we are in Christ, then we have all died on the cross. In Christ. He says, if I am crucified with Christ, right? So in Christ, we have all died. So the question is, Will we live a life of death or will we choose to keep living our life? A life of death is I die and I understand this life is not about me, that it's about him. So I must decrease so that he can increase. But the life that is about living for me is not him decreasing or him increasing. It's him decreasing and I increase. It's about me. We don't care what Jesus says. We're going to do what we want to do. And unfortunately, there are many, many people, many Christians, simply living the life that they choose. But if we live, if I am living my life, then I am increasing. But if I die, then He can increase. I like what one man said. He said, in what measure a man dies to himself, in the same measure does Christ live through him? If I'm not willing to die to self, then Christ is not able to live through me. I want you to think about what Paul says. Go to the book of Philippians chapter 1 over just a couple pages. Philippians chapter 1 in verse number 20. Philippians chapter 1 verse number 20. Paul says, according to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. Think about what Paul is saying. Paul says, I want Christ to be magnified in my body. doesn't matter if it's while I'm living or whether it's when my death. I want Christ to be magnified. I want Christ to be seen. The word magnified means to, it means to increase. It means to make larger. Yes, John the Baptist lived physically. But when you looked at his life, it was all about Jesus. Yes, Paul, the apostle, lived physically. But when you look at his life, it was all about Jesus. You see, they wanted to magnify Jesus. It wasn't about magnifying Paul. It wasn't about magnifying John the Baptist. And it should not be about magnifying you and me. It should be about magnifying Jesus. I must die. He must live. And if I don't die, he can't live through me. I, I used this illustration back in January, and I thought it was I thought it was appropriate to use it again this morning. Um, I have a glove here. Everybody see this glove? Yep. If I lay this this glove, looks like a hand, does it not? Looks like a hand has four fingers and a thumb, right? Has a place for you to put your hand in, right? You can put a, it looks it looks like a hand. If I were to lay this glove here. And then I was to tell the glove to do something. What would the glove do? Some of you are looking at me like, Pastor, do we really have to answer this? <laughs> do we really have to answer that question? <laughs> no. We all understand that glove has no power in and of itself. Right? There's no power there. I can tell the glove to, to pick up a chair. Won't do anything. I can tell the glove to pick up my Bible. Won't do anything. I can tell the glove to pick up a phone. It won't do anything, right? Why is this glove useless? Because it's empty. There's nothing in it. There's nothing in it. Now, if I take this glove, I hate these rubber gloves. I'm always afraid they're going to snap. I look like a doctor. I feel like a if I take this glove, it's the same glove. Is it not? I didn't magically change. Glo- it's the same glove. You saw it sitting up here the whole time. This glove now can pick up a phone. Right? This glove can pick up a Bible. This glove is able to do anything that the hand inside is able to do. But let me ask you something. Is it the glove doing it or is it the hand? It's not the glove. You saw the glove a moment ago. It sat here and had absolutely no life in it at all. It, I could put it right back there again. And it's go ahead and pick up that phone. It's not going to do anything because there's nothing in it do you know that this is the problem with so many christians that's the problem with so many christians they're not willing to die so that christ can live through them because see here's here's what happens Alone, the glove is unable to do what I tell it to do. But whenever I put this glove on, when my hand comes into this glove, the glove becomes as strong as the hand. The glove is as strong as the hand. Everything possible to my hand now becomes possible. To that glove. Everything. Everything that this hand can do, this glove can now do. Now, again, we know that the glove can't do anything alone. The glove simply clothes the activity of the hand. In the Christian life, this is what it is to have Christ by His Spirit. Dwelling within our redeemed bodies. You are the glove. Christ is the hand. And everything that is possible to him becomes possible to you. Do you understand that? Everything possible to Christ becomes possible to you and I if and only if we die and he lives. The problem is we don't want to die. We want to keep living our life doing what we want and here's what happens we accomplish nothing you say but man my job my jo- what is your job for eternity man this car you don't understand this car that i'm saving up to buy or, or this education i'm trying to get or this house we're trying to buy or this vacation we're trying to go on look let me let me say the, there's nothing wrong with a nice car there's nothing wrong with a nice house there's nothing wrong with education But if that's our emphasis, then we are accomplishing nothing with our life because the purpose of a Christian life is that he might increase and I decrease. That's our purpose. And so many Christians are living lifeless, useless lives because they're not allowing Christ to live through them. Because everything that is possible to him becomes possible to you and I when we die and he lives. Everything. You see, it's a choice we have to make. I die and he lives. Or he dies and I live. That's the choice. You say, I'm just just not going to make a choice. I don't want to make a choice. Then you've made the choice already. You've made the choice that he has died and you are living. You say, I didn't make that choice. Yes, you did. Because you said, I'm not going to make the choice because I want to keep living the life that I want to live. See, you've already made the choice. And this is what John the Baptist said. John the Baptist could have said, hey, look at all about me. Look at how life is about me. Look at I'm prophesied. Jesus says I'm the greatest. Others, my dad. Look at look at all these different things. Look how great I am. This life is about me. But instead, no, he said, it's not about me. He must increase, and I must decrease. I live, he dies. He lives. I die. You can't have it both ways. It's either one or the other. And we have to make that choice. Are we going to allow everything, the power that he has to live through us and just be the glove and just let him fill us and use us? Or will we sit here useless and spend our life For nothing he must increase but I must decrease he is greater than I I wonder is Jesus increasing in your life this year has he increased in your life if not why not are you still trying to lead are you still trying to be in control why not today make that decision Lord I want you to increase. And I understand that means I must die so that you can live. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. And Lord, I pray that you would work in our hearts this morning. You truly are greater. and Lord, may we truly see that I wonder with her heads bowed and her eyes closed, no one looking about. I wonder if maybe there would be someone here this morning. You say, Pastor, I'm not sure that I'm saved. I'm not sure if I died that I would, I would be with the Lord Jesus Christ. I've tried to be a good person. I've tried to go to church, be religious, but I'm not sure where I would go if I died. You say, Pastor, that's me. Would you just slip your hand up and put it right back down? Friend, nobody's going to call you out. We're not going to come to you or call you out or anything. I just want to pray for you this morning. You say, Pastor, that's me. I'm not sure if I died where I would go. Just slip your hand up and put it right back down. Pastor, pray for me. And Christian, Christian, if you know for sure that you're saved, is he increasing in your life? Is he increasing? Or are you? Is your life all about you or is it about Jesus? Who is it about? Because if it's about you, Then you're not dead. You're still living, and we are to die so that He can live through us. In just a moment, we're going to stand, and we're going to piano is going to play softly. But would you ask yourself the question today: Is Jesus increasing in my life? Is he increasing in my life? Or is my life still all about me? Father, I pray you'd work in our hearts. Lord, may we, may we be yielded to you that you would increase in our life. That we would die that you might live through us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.